Welcome to the Newsletter Operator Podcast. I'm Matt McGarry. And I'm Ryan Carr. And in this podcast, we teach you exactly how to build, grow, and monetize your newsletter. We'll talk to the best newsletter operators, creators, and media founders in the space, breaking down their strategies and growth tactics. Awesome. Let's get into it. My name is Marketing Max on Twitter and TikTok is where most people know me as. Super long story short, I started my career in finance and investment banking, private equity and venture capital, realized I didn't want to wear a suit and tie for the rest of my life, always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. One of my clients at the investment bank I was working at asked me to run her Facebook ads because she kept hiring Facebook ad agency after Facebook ad agency back in 2016, and they all sucked and took all of her money and gave no results. So because I was bored and wanted to try something different, she gave me $2,000 in ad spend as a test. And within two weeks, I turned her $2,000 in ad spend into $20,000 in revenue, like booked actual revenue in the door. And I was immediately hooked on performance marketing, Facebook ads, Google ads, landing page optimization. Just the idea that you could spend you know, 2K and make 20K back in 14 days was kind of insane to me. And so I... I signed up a couple of other clients at the investment bank, found similar success with those, ended up quitting my career on Wall Street pretty quickly, started an advertising agency and over the course of five years, grew that ad, grew that ad agency into a seven-figure year business, 15 full-time employees. We ended up working with more than 100 brands from hotels, gyms, spas, co-working spaces, summer camps, e-commerce brands of every shape and size, newsletters. And I ended up selling that business after five years to a private equity fund, took a year to really figure out what I wanted to do next. And during that year, I was really growing my following as Marketing Max on Twitter and TikTok. I launched a newsletter, as every creator seems to do, to try to push people off the platform, tried to sell a couple courses to my newsletter audience early in the game. But pretty quickly, advertisers started started to hit me up and asked to sponsor my newsletter because my open rates were high and people loved the content. So I started accepting ad sponsorships around the 15,000 subscriber mark, spoke to a couple consultants, and really started to maximize the revenue I was earning from the newsletter. And after about three months, really realized that there's too much money in this newsletter business to not go full-time on it. So I've been full-time on my newsletter business for the last three months hired a full-time salesperson, have studied the, the industry backwards and forwards, listened to every podcast I could from 2015, 2016, when the hustle was getting started, when Business Insider was getting started, went back and like really studied the OGs in the space. Now I have two daily newsletters and one weekly newsletter. So we can get into all that fun stuff. But that's a little bit about me, my background. And that's great. Let's dive into that. So what are the newsletters called and what are they about? Yep. So the first newsletter I launched about a year ago, the one that started it all, is called Growth Hacks Weekly. It goes out every single Sunday. And the concept is I send out one growth marketing hack that is industry agnostic that any company of any shape or size could use to grow their business. And that was really the one that started it all. It goes out every Sunday. And the idea is like, that's the one that you should try to use this week or try to figure out how to implement this week. I think the reason why people loved it is because I always give three or almost always give three examples of how three different types of businesses can use that particular growth hack. So here's how a SaaS business can use it. Here's how an e-commerce business can use it. And here's how an agency business can use it. 
And it could be anything from like a copywriting tip to how to work with influencers. That was really the one that started it all after I was sold out of ad spots for three months. And once I started listening to all those podcasts, I quickly realized that this is a billboard business. I need more billboards on the side of the road to make more money, right? If I'm going to sell ad spots. So then I realized I need to start a daily newsletter. So I hired a writer who has worked for Morning Brew, Marketing Brew. She's freelance with us and she writes Growth Daily, which is essentially growth marketing news. So like, here's what's happening with the Instagram update and here's how your business can take advantage of it. Or here's like marketing industry news, but then also practical growth hacks and advice every day. So we have Growth Daily that goes out every day. Like I said, that covers marketing industry news, as well as tips and tricks and growth hacks specifically for growth marketers that are pretty industry agnostic. And then we also have DTC Daily, which is the exact same thing, just in the e-commerce space. So it covers e-commerce marketing and growth news, and then e-commerce growth marketing tips, tricks, insights, and growth hacks. What are the subscriber counts on those newsletters now? What, where, where are they at now? Yep. So everyone that subscribes to either of the daily newsletters gets the weekly one. So the weekly newsletter is right at 45,000. I think we hit yesterday. And then we have about 35,000 on growth daily and 10,000 on DTC daily. And we're growing at about five to 10,000 total subscribers every single month. Awesome. Do you share open rate numbers or like what type of engagement you shoot for? Yeah. So our weekly newsletter, just because it's been around for longer and it gets sent on Sundays is always around a 50% open rate. We have about a three to 5% click through rate on that. And then our two daily newsletters, we have about a 40% open rate for both of those newsletters. Growth Daily has a 5% click through rate and DTC Daily has close to a 10% open rate. We have like a nine to 10% open rate on DTC Daily. It's just a perfect niche. The content is great. Lauren, who writes that newsletter is freaking amazing. And so we're just trying to consistently maintain those 40 and above open rates. And then really always trying to figure out how to get more people to click on links, whether it's the links to articles or whether it's the ads. That's really the the name of the game in our business from, from what I can gather three months yeah. in. <laughs> I have a bunch of questions about that. We're going to get to in a second. I want to talk about newsletter growth, maybe at a high level. Like, What does that look like for your newsletters or just all of them in general? We don't need to cover individual growth channels for each one. Like, If you were to put together like a pie chart, it's like X percent Twitter, X percent TikTok or whatever the channels there are. What does that what do the growth sources look like for your newsletter? So the first fifteen to 20,000 subscribers of Growth Daily and Growth Hacks Weekly came primarily from my social channels and barters or shout outs from other newsletters. I just consistently tweet. And then I have auto plug. So anytime a tweet gets more than, I think it's like 15 or 20 likes, they automatically says, hey, sign up for this newsletter, like a comment. I get at least a thousand, if not two to three thousand subs every single month from that. And early on, when I had a lot less Twitter subscribers or Twitter followers, I should say, we we would get maybe like five hundred to a thousand just from that Twitter plug alone. TikTok also, just I used to TikTok a lot. I really haven't been on that grind lately. It really is a grind, but I need to get back there. So that was the first like fifteen or so thousand. Then once I started to realize how much I'm making per month in ads per subscriber, I recognized that I could sell anywhere from like $25 to $40 a year worth of ads to one subscriber. And so I started to A-B test a lot of different Facebook ads and recognized that I could spend around $2 to get a qualified subscriber to sign up for Growth Daily slash Growth X Weekly. 
So once I figured out that, I just stopped all partnerships with other newsletters, all shout outs with other newsletters. And I've been spending around $20,000 a month on Facebook ads, just Facebook ads alone. And then I'm testing anywhere between 5 to 10K a month on Twitter ads. So yeah, right now, if you look at our pie chart, March, April, I would say 95% growth from paid acquisition channels. Cool. And to circle back to like social growth, what do you, what platform should people focus on if they want to grow their newsletter just from organic social? Like what's worked best for you? It really depends on the niche, but I think any B2B niche, it has to be Twitter because people are used to consuming content in written format on Twitter. That's pretty much the name of the game. If you're in like a real estate niche or a finance niche and you're not so focused on like B2B selling, but you're kind of focused on like the prosumer, I think you can get away with driving a lot of qualified subscribers from Instagram or qualified subscribers from TikTok. But what I found is a lot of B2B, B2B newsletters struggle because they get a ton of signups from Instagram, but then they don't actually get a high click-through rate or their engagement rate is really, really, really low on their newsletter because people who sign up from a newsletter from Instagram most likely enjoy consuming content or prefer to consume video content, content that's video, content that's audio, because that's where they spend most of their time is flipping through Instagram reels, flipping through you know, TikTok instead of sitting on Twitter for an hour reading. So I think Twitter is the best for B2B newsletters and all other newsletters, again, depending on the niche, Instagram and TikTok, for sure. And if like, most of that organic social subscriber grows, does that come from Twitter for you or another platform? Is it- yeah, it's mostly Twitter. At this point, it's mostly Twitter. I don't really post anymore to Instagram or TikTok, though. I just had a meeting this morning with my full-time video editor because I've had him focus on LinkedIn for the last two months as a test to try to see how the LinkedIn subscriber growth could be and the uh, how qualified or, I guess, how quality the subscribers that come from organic LinkedIn could be. But I think we decided today that we're going to go back to Instagram and TikTok and on that note, so I, I use Beehive. I just switched everything completely over from ConvertKit to Beehive. Absolutely love Nathan Barry, and I'm grateful for everything that ConvertKit's done for me and, and so many creators. But Beehive gives me this amazing segmentation tool that's just too good to pass up. So I, every single day, monitor the open rates of every single acquisition source that we're spending time or money on. So I know that a subscriber from Instagram, the average open rate from a subscriber on Instagram is 39% as of this morning. Instagram, 42%. TikTok, or sorry, sorry. Instagram, 39%. TikTok, 42%. Twitter, 55%. And then my Facebook ads, I track it on a per ad basis. So I change the UTM codes based on the ad and based on the targeting. And so I'm constantly testing normally like four to six minimum ads. And then at least two or three different audiences. Again, my background is Facebook ads. I've spent more than $10 million or other people's money on on Facebook ads and, and Google ads. So like this is my bread and butter and I'm happiest. I'm my happiest self in the Facebook ads manager, but I'm a pretty OCD guy when it comes to tracking all these metrics. So that's why like LinkedIn, we just weren't even really able to get a whole lot of subscribers that way through through LinkedIn in the last two months. And the subscriber rate was actually lower than it was on Instagram. So that's why I think we're going to be going back to Instagram and TikTok. I know you mentioned that you're testing Twitter ads. How is that going? I know that's something that a lot of folks are, are starting to try out. How are the kind of the early results of that? So it's interesting because Twitter ads are generating a cost per click to my landing page that's 50% lower than Facebook, if not 
50 to 60% lower than Facebook. For whatever reason, the Twitter ad click and the Twitter ad traffic doesn't convert on the landing page as high as Facebook ad traffic. And I think that's because Facebook users and Instagram users are just used to clicking on an ad and taking some sort of action, whether it's clicking around an e-commerce site or entering their email, becoming a lead. I think Twitter ads are still super new and people aren't used to them so much. So cost per click is great. Conversion rates lower, which means that my average cost per qualified sub on Twitter is slightly higher than Facebook, but the open rate and the click-through rate is significantly higher. So I'm always kind of going back and forth. Like, should I be splitting my budget 10K Facebook, 10K Twitter? Should I be splitting it, you know, 70, 30 on Twitter? But then I run into frequency issues every time I spend more than $10,000 in a given month on Twitter. So it's just kind of like a, a back and forth. Twitter ads are amazing. And again, the quality of subscribers for a B2B newsletter on Twitter is second to none because people are used to consuming written content. And when you consume written content, you're more like, you know, on Twitter, you're more likely to consume written content in a newsletter. You like consuming words, not visuals, not video, not audio, not cute little animations that my full-time video editor, you know, (laughs) flashes across the screen. So yeah, Twitter ads work exceptionally well, but it's just a matter of figuring out what the actual cost per qualified sub is and then making sure that it's it's worth it and again like going back to the numbers of you know i can spend two dollars to acquire a subscriber and i can sell 25 to 40 dollars a year worth of ads to that one subscriber it's like okay well if it costs me an extra 30 cents to get a more qualified subscriber why wouldn't i go all in on twitter well there there's two thoughts in my mind to that one like i said the frequency is an issue there's not as many people on twitter and specifically who follow the target channels that I'm targeting on, on Twitter and using the specific hashtags that I want. But also number two, I don't want to be solely dependent on one platform. So it's kind of a, a balancing act, I should say, to figure out how best to, to spend the money, make sure that our open rates remain above a 40% and our click-through rates remain around a 5%. One question on that, what's your like metrics for a qualified subscriber? And then I want to ask you some like some tips and tricks for getting Twitter ads to work well recommendations for folks yeah so qualified subscriber they should open at least two times a week in a given in a given sense so that puts our average open rate minimum at around whatever that is like 36 percent 35 yeah whatever that number is so that's that's the way we do it typically if someone hasn't opened at least twice a week for 60 days we'll kick them off but i'm constantly changing what the the scrub rate is or what the scrub metrics are because i'm finding that sometimes when we change the subject lines it drastically increases the like win back rate so people who haven't opened in 30 days if we drastically change the subject line or if i change the actual picture like the marketing max picture in the inbox i can get those people back so just constantly a b testing i'm in beehive and facebook ads all day trying to match up the utm codes to figure out which cohort of people are clicking on which segment of the newsletter because now we break it out at least on growth daily into breaking news growth stuff and brand watch so i'm finding that like people who click on a particular ad that maybe talks about learning marketing are more interested in the brand watch section compared to the ad that talks about like whether you should be on tiktok or not and learning 
if TikTok would be a good marketing channel for you, they're more interested in the breaking news stuff. So it's all just like really trying to figure out like which cohort is consistently reading our newsletter, opening, clicking on links, and most importantly, clicking on ads, because that's how we're making our money. I love that. And like you had said that you were seeing 10% click-through rates on the D2C newsletter. Is that what you said? Yeah, D2C newsletter is about a 9 to 10% click-through rate. That's crazy. And the A-B test that you've been doing, what what tips would you have for other newsletter operators that are trying to increase their click-through rate on ads or just on, on any sort of link? Yeah, I mean, it's everything that you can control. So you can control how many links there are in an actual ad. So like our primary ads are 750 characters. And so do we have a link at the top and a link at the bottom in the call to action? Do we have three? Do we have four? Do we have one? Does that increase the amount of clicks that we're getting overall? Sometimes like if you have four links versus one, you might actually get more clicks on the one link, right? So that's one example. Another example is the color of the actual link itself, whether there's an underline, whether it's bolded, how long the call to action is at the bottom, is there an emoji before the call to action, all of that. So we're constantly A-B testing and then monitoring the results, like back and forth as, as much as possible. Are there any like one or one to three takeaways that like people should try, whether that's like what, co- I know you have like, you have a certain color, the link, and then you have a, <laughs> the underlying colors a little bit different. Any like super tactical, like two or three tips that would help people increase their click-through rate? <laughs> you want the secret sauce. What's worked for us? I saw your tweet about the color thing, but... Yeah, the, the, the color is the thing that's moved the needle the most for us. So we've tested like six different shades of blue in the actual text color. And then we've also, Beehive lets us change the color of the underline. So we're just constantly A-B testing colors and then the emojis before the call to action in the ads. That's been the thing that, that has moved the needle most for us. We also find that two or three links is better than one or four in a given ad. We also have been A-B testing. So like in the actual news section, when we, when we summarize what's going on with like a news snippet, right, or with a news article, what we would do is we'd have a headline at the top and then we would have like read the full article in the bottom, that text, like read the full article. And then if it said... Or sorry, and then for the read the article, that would be the one link to read the full article. What we're now A-B testing, or about a week and a half into this A-B test, is putting the headline at the top as the link to the article without the call to action at the bottom. And we're finding we're getting more clicks on that, you know, up from like a, I would say probably like a 25% increase in overall clicks. Just by making, excuse me, just by making those new snippets, the link instead of the, instead of the call to action. At the bottom, read the full story here. The link. That's, that's going to be really helpful to folks. How do you think about like your your content format and strategy? Because your, your newsletter content or like design format, it's really interesting, really unique. You're I'm really talking about growth daily here in, in mm-hmm. DTC daily because those are the growth hacks weekly is more like long form content, which is awesome. Yeah. but it's not it's not designed in the same type of way. Like, how do you where'd you come with the idea for that? Why that style? And also maybe explain what it is so folks can kind of have an idea of what it looks like. Yeah. So let me first say, I know nothing compared to you guys. And I know nothing compared to so many people in the industry. Like I'm just learning and figuring it out and A-B testing as I go. So my way of doing it is definitely not the best. I, I really subscribe to the Mark Zuckerberg way of doing things, just move fast and break things. So I just try things all the time. And sometimes I A-B test too many things at once. So I can't actually see what thing in the A-B test did better than, than others. But as mentioned earlier, when I 
sold out like three months of the weekly newsletter in advance, I realized that I need more billboards. And so I was like, okay, I have to get out a daily newsletter. And when I spoke to a few other creators, they just kept saying, there's no way I can push out tips and content daily. There's just no way. And my thought was, well, I already subscribed to Stacked Marketer. I've, I've loved Stacked Marketer for years. I was one of their first, I think, two or 3,000 subscribers like five years ago, four years ago, or whenever they came out, pre-pandemic. And so I said, why don't I just create my version of Stacked Marketer that's a little bit more bite-sized, that's a little bit easier to read because I have so many paragraphs in their newsletter. And I really did research and couldn't find anything else that was industry agnostic marketing news that was bite-sized and, and straightforward and easy to read. So I came up with this concept that at the end of the day, anyone that reads a blog article on socialmediatoday.com or socialmediaexaminer.com or marketingbrew.com doesn't actually want to read an article. They just want someone to tell them exactly what the news is in one or two sentences. And then they want someone to tell them what this means for their business. And so I came up with this, this concept of a TLDR and then an insights like TLDR. Here's exactly what's going on. No fluff. And then insights is what, what does this mean for you? And what does this mean for your business? And that's what I give the brief to for all of our writers. Insight should always be, how does this actually impact your business? What does this actually mean for your business? We tried that for a good three or so months and we just noticed that people were only really reading the insight section. That was the feedback that we got. So like I said, a week and a half ago, we're now into this new test where we're making the headlines of the news significantly larger. So instead of being maybe like six or seven words, they're like 10 to 15 words, the headline, but they're basically the TLDR section, just even shorter. So it's like 15 words or less of what exactly the news is. And then it's just the inside section. And we're still finding that people are just reading the insights section and then clicking on the headline without even reading the headline. They just literally go straight to the insights. People have a shorter attention span than ever. They just want to be told, you know, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my business? And so that was the first piece of feedback we got was people just love the insights. So that's how we worked on that format. That's how we've updated the format. And so far, the click-through rate has been higher, like I said, about 25% higher. The other interesting thing is we now break things out into sections. So every week, I have my virtual assistant go in and give me a list of the top three or top four most clicked on links for the entire week. And it seems that the most clicked on things every single week are tips or tricks or links to blog articles that are like, here's how to properly find the right hashtags for your business. Here's how to you know properly run like today, here's how to properly run like a Snapchat ad campaign. Those are often the most clicked on things, but we don't want to send out a newsletter that's literally just like a curated list of blog articles that are marketing tips. So we now have that breaking news section at the top, which is always two marketing industry news things. Then we have the growth stuff section. And then we have the brand watch section at the bottom, which are more like case studies or cool things that brands are doing from a marketing perspective. So far, the, the open rate has been slightly higher, but the click-through rate, like I said, is about 25% higher, which is a huge thing for our business. Like that's, that's a monster increase. So again, it's just figuring out how do we A-B test the format, the layout, how do we make it seem like it's not all text? Because every time I would include a picture in the newsletter, open rates would go down drastically. I think we just immediately hit spam. So I don't do pictures. I do a ton of emojis, love emojis, even in my day-to-day -day life. But yeah, it's just a matter of figuring out like what do people want to read most? And what do people want to read most is what people care about most, which is their own business, what this means for them. How can they 
use this? What can they learn from this? How is this going to impact them? So the faster we can get to that insight section, the better. And then, like I said before, also, it's just a matter of A-B testing, length of, of, of headlines, colors of the links, everything else. If I'm rambling, let me know. But No, um, that's good. I think that's a really, it's, I know people should check out the newsletter so they can <laughs> see what you're talking about here, because it's kind of hard to explain what it is without a visual. But I thought the content format was really interesting, really well done. That's why I wanted to ask that. You mentioned Stack Marketer. Any other news, like what are the top newsletters or it could be content creators or media companies that you take inspiration from that you think are just killing it out there? They're doing a great job and that you learn from by example. So Stacked Marketer is definitely number one in my book. They've been around the longest, big fan of Manu and what he's doing over there. I just felt that I always didn't have time to read their full articles every day. And so their their format is very similar to a morning brew where they have maybe three to four smaller paragraphs for a particular article. So that's what I like to refer to with my team as like articles in the newsletter. I don't like articles in the newsletter. I'd much rather summarize than have the articles in there. But big fan of Stacked. I've done a lot of partnerships with Manu and they were a big inspiration to what I'm doing now. So I got to give a shout out to them. Beyond that, it's really just the TLDR, like tech developer newsletter that I get a lot of inspiration from and think they're absolutely crushing it. Everyone else is just kind of running the same game, but I love their format. I love the way that they explain things. I love the content that they choose. I love their tone of voice. Those are pretty much the only ones that I read every single morning. Stacked and and TLDR. Yeah, those are great examples. Any other come to mind that are just like, I'm, I'm trying to make a list of like the top 100 that just so I can refer back to for examples for myself because I write so much about this. Yeah. Any ones that you can just do a good job of growth, content could be anything. It doesn't have to be anything particular. To be honest, I don't like the format of really any other newsletter. Like a, a lot of newsletters, I think they, they, they don't have fluidity. There's no like breakout of sections. Like it should be, Opening a, a newsletter in your inbox should be like like pulling the newspaper out of the bag every single morning. You should know that like this is the sports section, this is the news section, this is the local section. And I don't think very many newsletters do a very good job of that except for TLDR. And that's why our new layout is very much inspired by them. Other newsletters that come to mind, I love Demand Curves weekly newsletter. Really big fan of theirs on Wednesdays. I like trends, obviously. I see Ryan's wearing a trend sweater sweatshirt i want one of those let me know how i can get one but i i really like i don't know i i, I don't i i did my deep dive i went through months of subscribing to like 60 different newsletters listening to every podcast of every founder and, and really did my deep dive and now i'm just kind of in grind mode like I, I don't really consume a whole lot of content outside of tldr and stack marketer i do get the demand curve one every week i've been following them for years really big fan of what they're doing justin has kind of become a friend I get trends. Yeah, I that, Caitlin, that makes sense. I, I always mess up her last name, but Caitlin Borgen, Bourgeois. She has a great newsletter. Her content is great. Yeah, in terms of like daily newsletters, I think Marketing Brew is way too in-depth and the content is way too Madison Avenue and not great for like entrepreneurs and people who are actually just trying to learn marketing. I think Social Media Today does a good job of just curating their own articles and they write great stuff. We source a lot of our content from them. And we always link to them. So, you know, shout out to social media today for writing great content. But in terms of newsletters that I get inspiration from and, and really commend and really track on a day-to-day, week-over-week basis, it's really TLDR and, and Stack Marketer. Nice. 
it's funny we're actually talking to to Matt Manu pretty soon here from Stack Market. We're, we're big fans of that newsletter as well. I'd love to talk a little bit more about distribution, just because I know that that's where you spent a lot of time building before the newsletter, and it sounds like you're still getting a ton of subs through organic channels, Twitter in particular. What? And I know this is such a dense subject, but if you're going to give some tips to somebody who's trying to grow a Twitter following, you know, what's, what are some general frameworks or strategies that you've used and built over time? Because obviously you've got a lot of experience in that. Yeah. The tricky thing is I think what works really well on Twitter changes every three to six months. And so like what worked really well for me, I think in 2020, or I would just say in the last year, like 365 days ago today, I think I had maybe 15,000 followers on Twitter. I think last week we just hit 40,000. I, I think what worked back then definitely doesn't work now. Right back then, it was a lot of threads. Here are the best 10 marketers you need to follow on Twitter. Here are the best 10 newsletters you need to follow or subscribe to right now. And, and those kind of like listicle threads did exceptionally well. And that was a big catalyst for me to go from whatever I said, 15,000, I think about a year ago. I can get the exact stat, but 15,000 a year ago to today. The things that work exceptionally well today are the opposite of that. They're unique threads. So here's how I turned $7,000 in Google ad spend into $1.2 million in Google ad spend, my, my best performing tweet ever. Or here's a story about you know, the Oatly almond milk brand or whatever. I think it's almond milk or coconut milk or whatever. No, it's oat milk, duh, Oatly. Here, <laughs> here's the story behind how Oatly went from you know, struggling you know, European startup to billion, $14 billion publicly traded company. Like everyone tends to recycle the same stories. Here's Steve Jobs' 10 best tips. Here's, you know, Nike's marketing principles. Here's Pixar's story framework. And I've used all those. So I can't shit on other people for doing it. But I think the, the best advice I can give people is to find things that no one's talking about. There was this great, great, great Twitter post that went viral that was all about the drive to survive documentary on netflix and and how it really turned formula one from a no-name sports uh, entity in the united states like now whatever top five top six sports entity in the united states like find the the niche little interesting thing that no one's talking about and write a thread about it but that's the first thing that does really well is just the the opposite of the normal like here are 10 people you need to follow here are the 10 best newsletters out there right now right that's the first thing. The second thing that does really well right now are those comment comment X and I'll DM you lists. I've seen Matt do those bunch, and as you should, they're they're great. They work exceptionally well. Especially if you comment must be following, you'll almost guaranteed to get five hundred new followers every single time you do that. A few tricks on on that. I think you already do it. Is like don't just send people whatever you promised. Send them a link to a landing page where they put in their email, and then you email them what you promised. That way, you get them as a newsletter sub. The other thing on the on the Twitter thread side of things is th this hack like changed the game for me and really helped move the needle. Everyone puts the call to action to their newsletter at the bottom of the Twitter thread. You can put an ad in the middle of your Twitter thread. So if your Twitter thread is 20 tweets, just make the sixth tweet, hey, quick break to say, if you like this content, you'll love my newsletter. And then make the... 15th tweet that and then make the last one that like i more than doubled if not tripled how many newsletter subscribers i got from those threads simply by putting those those hacks or those uh, like breaks in there 
like ads inside of a, a thread. I, I saw someone sponsor a thread for the first time. It was a newsletter that was doing it. Maybe <laughs> maybe this has been done before and I just haven't seen it, but somebody, it was a guy who was doing this thread about using ChatGPT to grow a business. And in the middle of the thread, because it was this day over day thread, some AI newsletter sponsored it. And I was like, that's so cool. That's such a unique idea to just have like in the middle of this <laughs> ongoing thread day over day, there's like a newsletter plug. Yeah. So it must be effective. I, I actually had a, I had a brand partner sponsor us for that. We wrote like a, I think it was a 15 tweet thread about their particular product and why it was important to use their data product. And then the fifth tweet and then the 15th, the last one was a shout out to their product. And it did all right. I think it drove like five or 600 clicks for them and, and brands love clicks. <laughs> I wonder if Twitter has ever been like a successful influencer sponsored post platform. Cause I've talked to some influencers. They're like, don't, don't sponsor me on Twitter. Like let's do Instagram stories. Let's do something else. Newsletter content. Like it works really well for whitelisting. I- I've done a few shout out posts and people always get disappointed when, you know, you, Oh, you have 40,000 followers and you get, you know, hundred clicks or 200 clicks. You just never know. But the whitelisting works exceptionally, exceptionally well. There are a few brands that are starting to whitelist the Marketing Max brand where Marketing Max is just promoting their product and it's just a, an ad, right? It's a link to... So like, a, uh, like a, whatever. they run Twitter ads from your account or like how does that whitelisting work? I don't... Yeah, yeah. They, they run ads from my account. So it would be like in someone's feed, it would look like a tweet from Marketing Max and it would say, I love Matt's newsletter. I highly recommend you sign up for Matt's newsletter and then there's a link to Matt's newsletter, but you guys are paying for the ad spend and the click is driven to your landing page. Yeah. Awesome. That, that makes sense. How should creators think about like pricing something like that? Cause it's not like a CPM based thing. I don't need to reveal pricing, but like <laughs> what should people charge? You know, I don't how should they Yeah. I, so the way most like bigger creators do it from what I've understood is they charge based on ad spend, a flat monthly fee. So if you're going to spend like 5k for the month of ads behind marketing Max's profile brand, whatever handle, you might charge like a thousand bucks for every 5k that you put behind the ad spend or something like that. Typically it's anywhere from like 500 to $5,000 a month. We had a client at our ad agency that paid an influencer $20,000 a month to create one Instagram post a week and then white label from her profile. And they did that because their cost to acquire a customer was about 50% less when running the ads from her handle versus running it from their own handle because it comes across way more genuine. And people are like, oh, not another ad. It's, it, it's a person's face, right, in the top left corner on the Instagram story. So it can make a huge difference. It's actually one of the things on my list to do for us this week. I've only been running whatever it is now, like, more than $50,000 worth of Facebook ads this year from the Marketing Max handle promoting growth daily. I'm actually curious to see if the cost to acquire a newsletter subscriber goes down the other way. If having growth daily as the sponsor or as the, not sponsor, but as the handle and as the brand in the ad would maybe add some more continuity to the ad and to the landing page and to the sign up instead of Marketing Max. So that's on my list of things to do today <laughs> is to create a growth daily branded Facebook page and Instagram page uh, and then start running ads and maybe test that. Yeah. Let us know how it goes. I'm curious to see. I imagine marketing max work better, but you, you never know until you try it. Um, yeah. Again, you never know what's going to work. I am an AB test fiend. Like I'm obsessed with it. It's, it's, it's my breakfast, lunch and dinner. 
<laughs> so you're making almost all your revenue through sponsorships, advertising sales. Like any tips on how to find advertisers? You, you're guaranteeing advertisers clicks. I see you on your Twitter and on your like sponsor page, how that's working. I don't know. How, how do you think about that monetization strategy? So 60 to 70% of our leads these days are inbound. So we're not shy to remind people that we are a completely free product on the consumer side. And we're 100% ad supported at this point. So we have a pretty big call out, I'd say like 30% or 25 to 30% down the newsletter. And then we obviously have it in the footer like everyone else. But we probably get five to 10 inbound requests a week. Just people subscribe to the newsletter who want to sponsor the newsletter, which is always great. The other 30-ish to 40% of leads just come from cold email and cold LinkedIn messages. So if we see someone sponsoring another newsletter, uh, we'll reach out to them that day and say, hey, we noticed you sponsored Marketing Dive today. You know, We have almost 50,000 founders, CEOs, and marketers subscribing to our newsletter. Here are three or four reasons why you might choose to work with us and invest your ad dollars with us instead of other newsletters or Facebook or Google. So we're really trying to reposition ourselves more as a alternative to Facebook and Google ad spend than an alternative to other newsletters because we are guaranteeing clicks now. There's data reporting on who's clicking. There's data reporting on which ad did the best, just like you would get in the Facebook ads manager. And you know you know that you're targeting a, a very, very, very specific niche audience. And if that niche audience is your audience, then you don't mind paying slightly higher than what you would pay to Facebook for a click. So that's how we think about it these days. And we're finding some success with it, but everyone we speak to is is struggling right now, given the state of venture capital and the economy. Who's like the ideal advertiser for like, who are you going after? Is it B2B companies who have a B2B product for, for marketers or? Yeah, yeah. It's 100% marketing software companies. That's our ideal. Any data analytics tool, any data backup tool, any influencer marketing platform, anyone that has a software product that is used by marketers and purchased by marketers, that's our ideal customer ad partner, I should say, right now. We're going to hopefully be expanding that in the next few weeks and in the coming months. But for now, that's who we're finding the most success with. And we have a pretty high repeat purchase rate. So it's just a matter of figuring out how do we expand our pool a little bit since a lot of those marketing software brands are either struggling to raise follow-on venture capital rounds, they don't have as much money to invest, or how do we just convince them to spend whatever you know, if they're spending 100K a month on Facebook ads, how do we convince them to give us 5K and show them that it's worth taking 5K out of their 100K to Facebook, giving it to us? If you were to start another newsletter, would you kind of think backwards from the sponsors to the content, just in theory here? <laughs> it's funny because I did so much homework Q4 of last year, listening to every podcast. And the one thing that I keep thinking about a lot these days is Sam Parr just said, like, if I, you know, if I started another newsletter, it would, there would be no ads. There would be, you know, other ways of monetizing just because ad sales suck. The first two, two and a half months of the year, I was like, Sam Parr doesn't know what he's talking about. We're getting ads left and right. We're getting tons of people. And then the economy kind of tanks and Silicon Valley Bank situation happens and VC stop investing and our target audience in terms of partnerships, I should say our target partner cool really starts to struggle and really starts to to be more careful with their with their pennies so if i had to do it over again i would probably figure out what premium content people would pay for most 
I would do a free newsletter, maybe have some ads in it purely inbound and just negotiate those deals easily. But then I would have try to have a, a newsletter where like 40 or 50% of the subscribers pay for it and have some sort of like really high value premium content, whether it's case studies, whether it's trends being a perfect example, going back to Ryan sweatshirt. I love trends and I've been a long time subscriber and gone to their meetup in LA and all that fun stuff and in New York and Austin. But yeah, I, I think if I had to start a newsletter over again, that's what I would do. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of ways to monetize. Like in the next few months, we'll be launching a website. We'll be able to drive a lot more clicks for our advertisers and also get like some other third-party ad tech platforms on there. There's job boards, there's communities, there's premium, but there are certain niches where the the ratio of free tra- like, like free subscriber to paying premium subscriber is significantly higher. And we don't even really promote our premium subscription. That's on my list of things to do in May is to revamp that. It's just a challenge in the marketing space. Like, and I can ramble about this forever. So tell me to shut up at any point. But marketing in general is too broad, right? Like Lenny, I think, I, I guess that's another example of someone that I look up to or like something on like that, that I would recommend putting on your top 100 list. And I always butcher his last name, but Lenny, the, the product guy, he has a really high conversion rate from free trial or not, I keep saying free trial, but from free newsletter to paid, just because he has a very clear identified niche. Dave Gearhart has the same thing. It's B2B SaaS marketers, right? His newsletter started off as DGMG newsletter. Then he had a Patreon group and then the Patreon group had a Facebook group. They're not Facebook, Patreon group, but he had a Patreon where he was providing premium content. As part of that, you got access to the Facebook group. The Facebook group was the real value. He stopped posting on Patreon, but everyone pays 10 to 20 bucks a month and he has you know three or 4,000 subscribers in there. So if you get more niche, not just marketing, but B2B SaaS marketers or e-commerce marketers, whatever, you can charge more uh, or just charge it all for, for premium content. And the premium content doesn't even have to be that good. It just has to be ultra, ultra, ultra relevant. So if you can become the de facto industry community, like paid community, paid newsletter that everyone in your particular niche industry reads, great. The thing is, marketing is just too broad for that. That makes sense. So I was going to ask some examples and you covered two really good ones. And so your recommendations would be like own a industry vertical or a niche and kind of be the go-to person in that niche like any other recommendations for creating some type of paid information product like premium newsletter whatever that could be or any other like people just crushing it that listeners should check out uh i think those two dave gearhart and lenny and i'm not going to even try to butcher his name live on this podcast the other one's justin welsh i mean he he completely nailed it right he has i think 80 to ninety thousand subscribers now on his newsletter he has ads in it. I think he makes around 10K a month just from the ads, but he only has a, a weekly send. But then he has the same two products he's been promoting for years now. So that that's another great, great, great way to monetize. But again, all three of those guys have niches. So the niche of Justin Welsh is how to grow a following online and monetize that following. The niche of Dave Gearhart is B2B SaaS marketers. And the niche of Lenny are product marketers right? So super niche, super specific. And you don't need a big niche, right? You only need a couple thousand people paying you 10 bucks a month and you're making 200 K a year. It's pretty good either full-time business, depending on where you live and how many kids you have, or 
it's an amazing side hustle that can be automated pretty easily with virtual assistants and a couple writers. So I, I would have gone more niche. Like the original concept for Growth Daily, I always knew I was going to call the business Growth Daily, but the original concept was to have a bunch of niche newsletters. So DTC Daily, and then instead of Growth Daily, we're going to have SaaS Daily because I think most of my Twitter audience when I launched were other SaaS people, other solopreneurs building software businesses or just people in SaaS, and then D2C founders and, and marketers. But then I realized like entrepreneurs need to learn marketing at the end of the day. And so it's, it's interesting to note that 40% of Growth Daily's subscribers and D2C Daily subscribers are founders and CEOs. Founders and CEOs know that they need to learn marketing to keep the lights on for their business. And so when we run ads to marketers, it just so happens that the Facebook ad algorithm expands us a little bit to founders and CEOs because the lookalike audience of our list of 30 or 40,000 subscribers is or has a good handful of founders and CEOs on there. So then we start getting more founders and more CEOs. And so, you know, the, the growth daily newsletter, I, I think, will eventually become less of a marketing newsletter and more of a business growth newsletter because founders and CEOs are always trying to figure out how they can grow their company faster. And so the moment you brand yourself as a marketing newsletter, advertisers think, oh, this is for marketers selling marketing products to marketers, right? I think of that admin or that madman quote a lot when he talks about the Jewish department store, right? Menken's in the show. I think it was called Menken's. He's like, oh, you know, it's a Jewish department store full of Jews selling Jewish products to Jews. And I'm Jewish. And I'm like, that sounds great to me. But what if, you know, 30% of the people that walk in there are not Jewish and they want other products? Okay. Well, you know, what if 40% of our subscribers are founders and CEOs that can make decisions on things beyond just which data analytics, marketing data analytics platform they're going to use? So I think that's kind of the future for us. And that's what I was talking about, about opening up our, our advertising pool a little bit. Because I think you either have to be, and this is, I think, a, a good way to summarize my long rant here. So again, apologies if I'm ranting. But I think the, the advice for other people is you either have to be super freaking broad, right? Like the Daily Upside covers investing and Wall Street. So like anyone from people who are on Wall Street can read the Daily Upside all the way to like your retail investor who wants to just stay up to date on the markets, right? But you also need to go super, super, super narrow and choose one or the other. I can see Manu's here. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow the Newsletter Operator Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a five-star rating to help support the show. If you want to learn even more about how to grow and monetize a newsletter, go to newsletteroperator.com. And if you'd like to work with Matt or Ryan directly, check the links in the description and apply to work with our agencies.